Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be with you. We have a lot to cover today. We'll talk with John Schlafly about his uh, column, his newest column this week. It's on the uh, Republican Party's push into education issues. And we'll see what he has to say. Um, We also um, will visit with a guy, uh, John Emord, who's running for uh, U.S. Senate in Virginia a Republican candidate just filed and is one of the earliest into these races. We'll see why. We'll see why. We'll talk to him. I like talking to candidates who are willing to get out there. He's an interesting guy. He's a constitutional lawyer, uh, somebody who's been writing uh, on conservative and um, uh, liberty topics for a long time. So we'll talk with Jonathan, pardon me, Emord, Emord. But first, what you need to know, Minnesota, Minnesota has gone full, um, how to say, full, uh, abortion promotion so much so that the new law that they have and the and the governor just signed it governor balls b-a-l-z um signed into law a um i don't know worst in the country i was gonna say first in the country worst in the country meaning it's first in terms of access to killing and so much so um that the bishop of a small diocese up in minnesota who is a very famous man. His name is Bishop Bob Barron, B-A-R-R-O-N. He's been a prolific producer of uh, videos and written materials. Um, He has a ministry called Word on Fire, Word on Fire Ministries, and they do... Well, they do um, uh, study Bibles. Uh, they do video histories, documentaries, uh, um, uh, biographies of saints, all sorts of uh, creative things, especially with the Word of God, with Scripture. And uh, Father Bob Barron was at the time the rector of the seminary in uh, Chicago, Mundelein Seminary, and very close to the late Cardinal George, who passed away a few years ago. And um, And so Father Barron was often talked about, by the way, as being the successor to Cardinal George. Didn't turn out that way. Um, it turns out that there was another bishop, Bishop, uh, uh, well, Kupich, uh, uh, is that how you say it? Kupich, um, who took his place, who took, uh, who succeeded Cardinal George. But Father Barron was then made the auxiliary bishop of, a di- of the Diocese of Los Angeles, the Archdiocese. And he was up in the northern part uh, of the Archdiocese of Los Angeles uh, towards um, uh, Simi Valley and up where my in-laws live. Anyway, he's an incredibly dynamic presence. He had a, when the COVID hit, he did a daily mass from his little chapel in his residence, and it was very popular. He's a very good preacher, uh, very, how to say, uh, colloquial, but orthodox, um, accessible, uh, but conservative in my mind is how I'd say it. Well, he then got appointed just recently as the ordinary bishop, the actual bishop in charge, not an auxiliary. An auxiliary is like a helper bishop. Uh, he was the helper, uh, one of three or four helper bishops for the Archbishop of uh, Los Angeles. Well, now he got appointed to a diocese in Minnesota, and he is the uh, ordinary, it's called. He's in charge of his flock. Well, he put out a video, and he, of course, he's a very good communicator. 
He's been on every podcast I think you can think of. Maybe not Joe Rogan, uh, but everything else. Um, uh, every one you could think of. Very good communicator. And like I said, very accessible and uh, very interesting and funny. So the video he shoots uh, that he shot and he released on this um, abortion uh, uh, law now in Minnesota is quite striking because he goes along and he basically says, look, if we had a law, if we had laws that said that a baby sitting in its bassinet a month after it was born, if it was grabbed from its uh, bassinet and killed and dismembered, we'd call that murder. And he says, Bishop Barron says, look, what this law says is you can have a baby born. You can have a baby that's a, a, attempted to be aborted at nine months of gestation. And if the baby lives because it's a botched abortion, which happens, if that happens in this in a case like this, you cannot save the baby. You cannot do life saving means on the baby. Now, there's lots of reasons to be upset. Uh, especially that Minnesota would do this and that the killing and that this underscores that the fight over abortion is uh, is state by state. But one reason to uh, to have some hope is people like Bob Barron, Bishop Barron, helping to articulate what it is that people uh, mean uh, in terms of messaging is going to be powerful. And that's a good sign. So you should watch that video. I'll put it up on social media. I put out a press release about it. Minnesota, boo on you. Uh, Bishop Barron, thank you for getting out there. So, uh, all right, we'll come back and talk with John Schlafly and then uh, Jonathan Emord uh, running for uh, U.S. Senate. Be right back. Ed Martin here on a ProMark Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Time to check in with John Schlafly. John Schlafly, of course, writes a column each week with his brother, Andy. They co-author a column, the Schlafly Report, continuing the tradition of their late mother, Phyllis Schlafly, who wrote a weekly column for almost 50 years. And uh, John and Andy's column runs over townhall.com and is also archived at phyllisschlafly.com. All of the columns are there. Uh, John and Andy's columns, it's now going on years and years that they've been writing them. There's a lot in the archive there this week's column the title is gop charges ahead on education welcome back john how are you uh good ed how are you today i'm doing fine you know earlier in the week i was at a meeting in washington dc and there was speakers one after another that stood up and talked about education savings accounts and how quickly it was moving across the country. Iowa has passed a law uh, that allows the governor there pushed for it universally. It's not just for inner city. It's not just for disabled kids, which is sometimes the way they, you know, the the, the uh, uh, school choice movement will move. Iowa uh, uh, leading the nation just a few weeks ago in passing that. Um, so, you know, you, you mentioned here that um, uh, Donald Trump had a message, uh, education message. And my question to you is, it felt like school choice was never really moving. It was on the edges, never took off. Is it taken off now? Well, I would say slow, slowly. I mean, the education savings accounts are a gimmick. Uh, you know, will <laughs> that remains to be seen? Seeing how you know how you know how they're rolled out. You know, I think with the numbers haven't really changed that much. That uh, about. Ninety percent of school children are in public schools, and ten percent in non-public schools. So, 
I mean, education savings accounts are designed to give uh, parents some dollars to apply toward alternatives to the public schools. Now, well, the message that Trump rolled out was quite imaginative, and his goal is to give parents more choice within the public schools. And uh, that could have a much bigger impact, I think, than than the than the than the the, the choice um, ideas that are being pushed in Iowa and a couple of other states. Uh, before we get to that, John, uh, I want you to tell me more about that, and it's in the column. We're talking with John Schlafly. I do want to make this comment. Um, I um, I was with our mutual friend Richard Vagary a week or two ago, and he gave me something to read, and it was, was something he had written a few years ago. And and at the end of it, it said, "Read, read, read." He, he his 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 encouragement was, "If you're going to do the X or Y and this or that, the other thing," he said, "You have to be reading all the time." Uh, in your piece, you do refer to the problem of too many people not being good readers and the schools which are are teaching sight reading and other gimmicks and we have less we have a problem with more and more people reading and your mother the late phyllis Schlafly, uh, cared about this enough that she wrote her own uh book on it uh, uh, meaning not a book on the subject but a book on how to teach your kids how to read um is that john are we winning that battle are, is that battle coming in the right direction um well, first of all, um, yes, Phyllis was a lifelong champion of uh, the uh, phonics method as the only reliable way to teach children to read. And uh, most children perform much, much better with a thorough uh, 100% uh, phonics drilling as their method of reading. But it's, it is um, labor-intensive. Because to teach a child to read through the phonics method requires one teacher or one parent and one child. It doesn't work in a classroom. And so, yeah, there are uh, public schools will now say that, yeah, they use phonics and, yeah, they have phonics gimmicks, but they're not really doing it in the way that it needs to be done. Um, You know, I will just say that a child learning to read is like learning to play the piano. Okay. Don't learn to play the piano by watching somebody else play the piano. You don't have a group of children in a classroom with uh, each child is at a different piano, and the teacher says, okay, now, you know, tell the whole class to do your scales. No, it's one-on-one. It's got to be that way. And, you know, public schools are not really set up to doing that. So, Phyllis, as you know, championed the idea of parents or other caring adults, grandparents, teaching a young child to read before he or she enters school. And so that they're all, they've already passed that hurdle to cover the building blocks of basic phonemic awareness, is what the, the jargon is, right. which means attaching sounds to letters okay. before they even get into the classroom. Uh, John, I've never I've never thought about this until you just said it. The piano uh, reference is a good one. Um, uh, but that is one of the that, I, I've never even put this together. That's one of the characteristics of the so-called government schools is, you know, uh, assembly. Uh, is it right? There was a assembly line, but teaching a whole bunch of people something all at once as opposed to one on one. And I, I've never heard that uh, sort of. Uh, taken apart. I mean that, you know, and, and frankly, you have a lot less trouble one-on-one 
uh, assessing what strengths or weaknesses, problems, you know, issues someone's having, obviously, and getting them moving through it. Right. So that 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 I, don't, I hate to do this, but that may be the most important characteristic of of the kind of educa- uh, reading teaching you're talking about is one on one. Yeah, reading is crucial and it's the foundation and the building block of all forms of education. And what we have are children who are getting past the first grade. You know, what we're talking about should be done by the end of the first grade. And, you know, but we're getting kids in the second, third, fourth, and even into high school where they're not good readers. And, uh, you know, it just handicaps their entire life. Um, if it's If it's not done at the right age, it's harder later, really. Oh yeah, no, it's uh, um, it's uh, yeah, it's 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 all right. Now back for a second to the column. We're talking with John Schlafly. His column this week is uh, GOP charges ahead on education. Uh, I, I, you mentioned the creativity. You thought the creativity of uh, of Donald Trump's message on education. I I am aware, uh, John, of uh, the experience of of conservatives over the decades um, that get sort of um, hoodwinked is too strong, but they get uh, they get. Um, uh, lured into a school choice choice battle that's almost impossible to win. You know, I, I, when when most of the country sends their kids to uh, public schools, it's hard to say your public school is bad. It's like telling someone their congressman is bad. Everybody's everybody's against all of Congress except their congressman. They reelect him. Everybody's against public schools. They think they're all corrupt except the one they send their kid to school in. Uh, explain to me what but, Trump was doing here. Plus, you know most. You know, most non-public schools have many of the same defects of the public schools. So you're not really, I mean, private school, I mean, and, and you know, because textbooks, um, right. you know, they're all, right. uh, they're all, you know, covered, you know, Right, right. Brian, right. Even, focus even, on the even, bad thing. And, and John, pardon me to interrupt. Even my son, who's in a you know a very uh, small and more conservative classical curriculum, he's taken AP U.S. history. He's got to use the AP U.S. history book, and it, and that book is uh, is a disaster. So to your point, I'm, I'm making your point. Even private schools yeah. are are being overrun by the values. But go ahead, back to the the exactly. your comment. Yeah, but 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 what now, was Trump? What's Trump doing with this? Uh, his vision. Well, well, you know, a cynic might say he's he's cynic might say that Trump is trying to catch up with Ron DeSantis, who has made education his issue and doing a great job in Florida. But but Trump is charging ahead, and I think he's pulling ahead of DeSantis. I would just encourage all of your listeners to find the video, which is four minutes forty one seconds that Donald Trump released last Friday. And just watch it and watch it over and over and over again. He's got so many points and so many wonderful initiatives packed into that short video. It was an introduction to an agenda for his presidential campaign on that subject. I mean, it was fantastic. Well, well, give, and, me, give, uh, give, me, give me the highlights, John. Give me your highlights of it, please. Okay. Well, uh, just to take one uh, highlights, he had, I don't know where, the, I don't know if he thought this up himself. But his idea was, as far as giving parents choice in public schools, he would allow parents to elect or select or remove their school principal by oh, yeah. voting yeah. on the principal. Yeah. Now, isn't that a great idea? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, now, and, and of course, and, and, there's and, and, mechanics and, and, of getting that done. Right. But exactly. the principal is the person who really sets the standard for what is really accomplished in any school. And a good principal makes a good school. And Trump had the, you know, insight to recognize that. 
it's um i did think that and that it's an example it's, it's also an acknowledgement that um you have uh, uh it's hard to go through the layer of accountability of the school boards even though lots of conservatives are rolling school boards into a better direction it's just it's one more layer of bureaucracy you know that that uh that uh, pulls through uh john speaking of that uh on the trump desantis uh, comment nikki haley says she's running for president what's your early assessment of the field well, my, my assessment of the field is it's, it's, it's Donald Trump way ahead and everyone else fighting for the table scraps, basically. Uh, no, I don't think any of them have a chance to be even, even, even vice president, let alone president. Uh, Nikki Haley, I mean, come on, that's just ridiculous. Do you, do uh, you think that DeSantis, if you're counseling DeSantis, do you tell him next time, don't bother this time? Yeah, I think DeSantis will step back uh, and wait and see how it shakes out. Um, uh, now, if or if Donald Trump is indicted, you know, people most say that would shake up the field. Uh, personally, I just think that'll be just one more uh, <laughs> one more hurdle for uh, Donald Trump to overcome, as he's over- overcome all those other hurdles. But it could happen. Well, no less uh, an author- no less an authority than Michael Cohen. I can't remember which of Trump's lawyers have stabbed him in the back, but I think he did. But Michael Cohen said if they indict Trump for some some criminal uh, thing, he'll just turn it into a, a, a cartoon. Here comes the deep state again, you know, and I think at this point, at this point, I think that I think that's right. I, I hate to I hate to encourage the, the left. If they had wanted to indict him, they should have done it about 18 months ago. And it could have been like, oh, he got in trouble for something. Now it'll just look like he's out there running for president and uh, you're going to do that to him. Oh, man, we're sick of this. I think that's the direction. All right, John, we got yeah. to go. Uh, go ahead. Sorry. Did you want to finish with something? Well, uh, you know, the, the U.S. Justice Department has been, you know, compromised and sidelined due to what's happened to Biden. But we've still got local prosecutors in New York City, Alvin Bragg, and the one in uh, Fulton County, Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, both of whom are put, trying to put together uh, a plan to charge Trump for something. Yeah. Well, They've been I working think... on it for the last couple of years. Been working on it ever since Trump was in office. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Well... Uh, what about hey, John, so, uh, John, uh, John Schlafly? I, we haven't mentioned. I think we talked about it once, but uh, the FBI had to raid uh, uh, Joe Biden's uh, beach house. Um, and what, what well, the, the buried lead there, if I can say, is that Joe Biden, after being vice president and a senator for years, uh, within about 10 minutes of, of leaving office, he had a beach house. He had another home. He had another home. He had another home. I, I'm sorry. I guess I, 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 I wish we'd see some. Uh, financial uh, uh, financial um, forensics on what the Bidens were doing to make all this money. Well, Peter Schweitzer, who did a number on Hillary Clinton six years ago, and now he's been, he's been done some good work on getting to that. But we need an official investigation. No question about it, because uh, the, the strong evidence that Hunter Biden, Joe Biden's son, had access to those. Yeah. Uh, classified documents and used them, deliberately used them in order to uh, share with the foreign uh, people who were providing funding to the Biden family. And, uh, and you know, that's that. No, we can't. The, even the Democrat, that should be too much, yeah. even for the Democrat. You know, uh, John, right now, I think I started to tell you or maybe I was telling somebody the other night that. Uh, um, but 
in Europe right now, in the EU, there's a scandal of uh, Qatar spending hundreds of millions of dollars to bribe everybody. And one of the things that they're doing is passing the money through some of these uh, nonprofits that are uh, situated in Brussels to, uh, no kidding, to fight impunity, to be fighting against dictators. Looks like a, a half a million or a million dollars went through this thing, you know, as passed through. I mean, the, the Clinton Foundation probably was uh, all this stuff on steroids in terms of hundreds of millions of dollars, but it, it's clear uh hunter biden was at least small i small p influence peddling whether that's a crime or not i don't know but he clearly was peddling his influence to get uh to get uh uh the family uh i don't know on on their feet so uh, all right i gotta run john i'm out of time john schlafly everybody the column i will put it over on uh, social media as well you can find all the columns archived phyllisschlafly.com we will be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Uh, excuse me. Yes, phyllisschlafly.com. I hope I said that. And also townhall.com. You can get the column there. Uh, be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Well, it may seem early to you, uh, but if you're running for office, and uh, the late Phyllis Schlafly, my boss, and I used to talk about this a lot, uh, when you're a candidate for office, you learn a lot about how things work and what, uh, what, you know, what, um, impact election cycles have on your race and money, all these kinds of things. And, and it's not too early if you're running for say us Senate. And our, our next guest has just said, uh, just declared that he is running for the us Senate in Virginia. His name is Jonathan W. Emmerd, Emmerd and E M R O D. If you go to his website, uh, and you can go track, track down his, uh, writings there and I will put it up uh, on social media too but it's emord.com and he's got a book there that the authoritarians from a couple years ago uh, about um, about uh, the authoritarians and about how uh, out of control uh, government has become and and the uh, resurgence of uh, socialists in our uh, lives and uh, Phyllis Schlafly used to talk a lot she loved Dr. Ron Paul and he gave a blurb for that book the authoritarians uh, by Jonathan so welcome sir to the program how are you I'm doing well. Thank you. First of all, um, why so early? I mean, you're almost two years out the race. I mean, a year and a half, I guess. Uh, are you the first one? I think you're the first one in the race. We should say you're running in Virginia and you're running against Senator Tim Kaine, uh, famously was the running mate for uh, Hillary Clinton. But uh, what made you decide to get in so early? I think you're the only candidate, right? Well, uh, no, I think there are a number of candidates. Oh, there that, are? But, declared? Yes. But oh. fortunately for me... Um, they they aren't very well funded, but nonetheless, I see. Um, I've announced early because there's no time like the present when you're trying to get rid of socialism. So this campaign is really a uh, effort to unite Virginians and Americans in a very strong uh, fight for individual liberty against the rapacious state and. We really have um, a lot going for us, fortunately. Uh, so the campaign has been kicked off and uh, we are uniting with people all across Virginia and all across the United States. We have fundraisers around the country scheduled as well as speaking engagements. And the primary purpose of all of this is to get ahead early, make sure that we have the resources, the connections and the name recognition necessary to win and defeat Tim Kaine. Uh, we, um, 
I noticed about a four or five, three or four days ago, uh, you wrote a piece over at townhall.com. Among other things, I should say you're a, a lawyer, a, a constitutional lawyer who has uh, fought uh, at all levels to try to get government out of our lives and protect us, but also you're a writer. And uh, so townhall.com has a, has a piece. How do you prosecute Trump and not Biden and Clinton? Question mark. Um, so uh, let me ask you about that. More and more people are saying the system is rigged. Right now, I think you'll tell me that a socialism, by definition, has to rig the system. That's part of what it does. Government will control who wins and who loses. But, you know, America, we've had this system uh, uh, for a couple hundred years where people bought into the vision, rule of law, shared values, and it's getting really frayed. Is that a symptom of, of socialism or is it what uh, what is needed to get socialism to come in or both? It's both. And it is a proof positive of the contempt that many in power, both in the bureaucracy and in Congress, have for the United States Constitution, because the rule of law means nothing if you don't have the equal protection of the laws. Our founding fathers fought against biased enforcement of the law in the colonies, the impressment of uh, individuals into the military without any due process, the use of general warrants without due process, and uh, the holding of hearings without trial, without juries, and even uh, removing colonists from the colonies to be tried in England so as not to have the benefit of jurists in the colonies. That whole biased system of law was was thoroughly rejected by the Founding Fathers, who understood well from John Locke and uh, Algernon Sidney and from Montesquieu that a system of laws means nothing if it is uh, subject to the arbitrary will of those in power and to their own political ends. That is the very definition of tyranny that they rejected. So we have sadly reached a point in our history where there is a double standard in the law and where political affiliation is determinative oftentimes of whether you're prosecuted or not when it comes to the FBI and the DOJ. So um, that's the reality we must fight against. We have to thoroughly reform the FBI and the DOJ. We have to restore the rule of law. We have to restore equal justice under law. And that means that we have to extinguish uh, bias everywhere it exists under an official banner, including in our schools. We have to defend parents' rights. We have to end critical race theory in the schools and this horrendous transitioning of youth uh, in the schools, uh, encouraged by the schools and even uh, even promoted by the medical profession. It's it's a it's disastrous. Is uh and uh, uh Jonathan Emmert is our guest and uh, I'll put up to you. is the campaign website I'm sorry I have in front of me your uh I think it's your law firm website your business website is there a website for the campaign yet Yes emord4va.com e m o r d 4va.com We're talking with Jonathan Emord and Jonathan um the uh can you is there a point where a nation is beyond pulling back I, I mean, do you fear that, oh, yeah, good idea, but once the inertia is sort of flowing downhill, you're not going to get that thing uh, flipped back around? It, sometimes I think a lot of people feel that way. I, I know you don't want to be uh, discouraging in, in the face of uh, of a lot of you know people having a lot to do, but is there a, do you worry that that's uh, part of the reality here? Well, that's the threat. Uh, and when you read my book, The Authoritarians, you come to the realization that 
the movement for collectivism and socialism and group thinking has come about uh, from with roots all the way back to the antebellum South. Uh, in fact, the defense of the institution of slavery was based on collectivism. They rejected the Declaration of Independence. They rejected even their Southern brother, Thomas Jefferson, and they adopted Hegelian socialism, Hegelian collectivism. Hegel was the uh, teacher of Karl Marx. Right. Uh, and so it naturally evolved into Marxism when the when the administrative state arose uh, in the late 1860s after the Civil War. Uh, it began that movement for a administrative state. Then it became one uh, that happened on the federal level as well as the state level. And that movement has been to eliminate the constitutional barriers the separation of powers and the constitutional barriers on power invest in unelected hands uh, the combined power to legislate and to adjudicate and to uh, and to execute the laws. So that now we have over three quarters of our laws are in the form of regulations, not created by those we elect, but by the unelected heads of bureaucratic agencies. And that means that Rather than have a republic, we have a bureaucratic oligarchy. To your point, uh, we are in a very perilous time because in 2020, in February of 2020, within one month, within one day of one another, uh, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer announced that if Bernie Sanders, an avowed Democrat socialist, were the party's nominee, that they would accept his agenda, which is a socialist America, government ownership, of the means of production. And that was the passing of the Rubicon for the first time overtly a party in the United States, major party, had announced that it would adopt socialism. And then of course it has come to pass that Joe Biden has essentially sold his soul to the socialists. And we have trillions of dollars of spending, government takeover of the <coughs> energy marketplace and a destruction right and left of independence, independent uh, freedom in this country as a result of mandates, mandates related to COVID-19, mandates related to education, mandates that are forcing Americans to fundamentally alter their way of existence such that they no longer follow their own dictates, but rather adhere to the demands of the government. And that means, as you're pointing out, that we are falling into an abyss of socialism. And if we fall into it and land in that mire, it is very difficult, history tells us, to get out. Very difficult. It's corrupting, it's morally corrupting, and it's also ruinous to the to individual liberty, which is the very foundation of our our government and our constitution. And so it's very, very dangerous indeed. Uh, Jonathan Emord is our guest again. Um, and he's running for the U.S. Senate and uh, has declared and is out there. Um, Emord for VA.com. I'll put up on social media also. Um, Jonathan, what's in a thumbnail? What's the case against Tim Kaine? I mean, I, I see the case against Tim Kaine's party, which is enough for me, of course. I mean, in terms of the dramatic, uh, what the president's done and other things. But uh, how do you, how do you, you know, a, a guy that's been a mayor and then uh, in office for, for Forever, you know, he 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 relies on a certain amount of inertia and familiarity. So, how do you how do you take a, a little bit of the shine off that? 
Well, uh, fortunately, the shine has been taken off by Tim himself. So he's not very popular in Virginia with a large number of people, and it's growing day by day. The reason for that is that the people's misery in Virginia, as it is in the nation, is due in no small measure to Tim Kaine's constant attack on individual liberty. He has been Joe Biden's uh, best buddy in all of the legislative uh, affairs of the nation. He has uh, uh, voted in favor of every major spending bill, $11 trillion in government spending, which unleashed inflation upon the population and has also caused Virginians to lose over $3,000 in spending power a year. He has uh, done nothing to stop the Biden administration's destruction of the fossil fuel industry. There are 125,000 Virginians who are employed in, in the fossil fuel industry, and he is is content to allow Biden's regulatory agenda to proceed for the elimination of fossil fuels in 10 years, which would be the total destruction of the American economy. He's in favor of that. He is in favor of Mayorkas. He has strongly supported Alejandro Mayorkas, the Homeland Security Secretary, has done absolutely nothing to uh, work against the invasion that's taking place from the southern border. Over six million uh, illegal aliens entering our country, substantially more than that, actually. And then all of the fentanyl and all of the uh, sex trafficking, drug trafficking, gangs, um, illicit uh, arms trading, terrorists, all of that coming through our southern border. And uh, Kane has done absolutely nothing to object to Mayorkas. He supports him. And to to fight against this agenda of Biden, which is so ruinous to the lives and the liberty and the property of Americans, including Virginians, 2000 Virginians died of fentanyl overdose last year. Wow. There's a crime epidemic here. He stood in and backed the crime problem here uh, has been supporting it. He gets money from Soros. Uh, he also is a person who has done nothing to stop uh, the Soros-backed prosecutors from creating this anti-incarceration agenda that's leaving criminals on the streets and causing much crime in cities across Virginia. There's some 14 or so Soros-backed prosecutors who are in power in Virginia, and Kane has done nothing to uh, to stop that or, or fight against it. Uh, Jonathan Emord is our guest. He's, uh, as I mentioned, he's a constitutional lawyer. He's also appeared on uh, uh, pro- programs across the country, including one of my favorites, George Norrie. His book is called The Authoritarians, The Assault on Individual Liberty, the Constitution and Free Enterprise from the 19th Century to the Present. Now, uh, Jonathan, I don't want to give you campaign advice, but when I was reading your biography in preparation at the very end of the uh, is it the very end? It said, "Oh, it went away. Now where to go? The that your um that your uh father was a boxer, uh, a well regarded boxer named Tommy Reardon, uh, up in and so I think you should like challenge Tim Kane to boxing. What do you think? Like, uh, it must uh, be. Do you, do you have that in your? Do you have that in your family? I mean, I know your father's deceased, yeah. but so there you go. You could box him. What do you think? I wouldn't mind that if he's happy to box me. I'd be happy to do that. I have no problem. Boxing is a great sport." 
And that would be a nice way to uh, decide the election, I think. I mean, we had the, you know, we had the uh, Lincoln Douglas debates. We can have the Emord Kane uh, slugfest. I think it's, I think it's onto something. Tell your political guys. Hey, Jonathan Emord again. We'll put it up on social media, his links. Thank you for running. I know it takes a lot of time and energy and, uh, and some courage to get out there. So emord4va.com. I'll post it all up on social media and keep us informed on the campaign trail, sir. Thank you so much. All right. We'll take a break. Everybody will come back. I'll put up on social media a link also to his book. Uh, and uh, it's got, like I said, uh, Ron Paul uh, endorsed it. George Norrie's a great radio host, one of my favorites. He he was um, uh, based for a long time in St. Louis, too. And he, uh, Jonathan's been a guest on there. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily broadcast from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, a national volunteer organization founded by Phyllis Schlafly and continuing to uphold her legacy by opposing radical feminism and representing a traditional conservative perspective in our nation's capital. And now, from the archives of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, here is Phyllis Schlafly. Rosemount High School in Minnesota is widely considered to be a great school. The Minnesota Department of Education says it is top-ranked. The U.S. Department of Education gave it the Blue Ribbon School of Excellence Award. Even Newsweek magazine listed Rosemount as a top school last year. Those honors stand in sharp contrast to the information given in a letter to the editor of the Minneapolis Star Tribune. That school's English teacher wrote that her students cannot read. When she assigns books, the kids dismiss them as boring and don't even bother with them. Some students sleep in class. Some react with anger or depression. After hearing these stories about high school juniors, it becomes easy to agree with her letter's assessment that we are in one of the greatest literary crises ever encountered. That teacher is on the front lines, and she says it is really an uphill battle every day. The schools are using the wrong tactics if they want to solve the illiteracy problem. The problem starts in the first grade, where kids are not taught to sound out words, but only taught to memorize a few dozen one-syllable words they can recognize by sight and remember. Much of the time, they guess at the words from the pictures on the page. As they grow older, students are increasingly handicapped by being unable to read new material. Forget about reading the classics of English literature. It's no wonder that American students rank poorly on international tests. The greatest injustice America has done to poor and minority kids is to keep them years in school but never teach them how to read. You have to be able to read in order to live the American dream. Have you checked the reading ability of your own children? Parents and grandparents jumpstart the education of that child you love so much with a proven phonics course. With Turbo Reader, anyone at any age can learn to read. For free information on Phyllis Schlafly's Turbo Reader, call toll free 1 866 Try Turbo. Open the door to a lifetime of reading and self motivation. Call 1 866 Try Turbo. Thanks for listening and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report.
Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Just got a couple of minutes here uh, to wrap up. And um, let me uh, let me say this. Nikki Haley, the former governor of South Carolina and former um, uh, ambassador to the United Nations, has announced that she's going to run for president uh, in the primary against Donald Trump. Um, let me just tell you, she's running for vice president and she's running for uh, book sales and she's running for the future. Um, she is not running for president now. She called President Trump to say she was thinking of running. He said, go for it. Um, she's raised a little bit of money. Um, if the field opened up, if Trump decided not to run, maybe she would be interesting. But um, she is not a real candidate in, in South Carolina, which would be her home state for purposes of maybe uh, stealing an early primary state. Um, the governor there, McMasters, is backing Trump. The senator, Lindsey Graham, backing Trump. Congressman Wilson and most of the congressional delegation backing Trump. Congressman Wilson's son is the attorney general, um, General Wilson. It doesn't look like it would be smart and realistic for her, uh, for Nikki Haley. But, she, you know, there's certain people that are going to run for the future, too. She's young. She's only maybe 50. So she can be running for the future. If you're running for the future or running for VP, you're not going to be a hard puncher. You're going to be someone who boosts your name ID. Think of uh, Pete Buttigieg last time. Bo- boost your name ID. Don't pick any fights uh, and then get out of the way. That's what I see her doing. Uh, she has said some bad things about Trump in the past, but I don't think she'll take that up as her rule. So uh, that's a sort of blah news. Not much to see there. All right. Thank you, as always, to Noah Dingley, our great producer, Ryan Hyde, associate producer. Thank you for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you then. America Report on The Answer, San Diego.